0: Good morning, morning. a hearty welcome to all of you, we are glad that you could join us, whether this is your first time here or you're a regular attender, we hope and pray that you will be blessed as you worship together with us this morning. For a call to worship, since the focus this morning is on calling, I'd like to share about what I believe is God's call on my life. Many of you know about my heart attack at the end of December of 2017. And I understood clearly that God had intervened, that I was taking nothing with me, and that there was still work to be done, a second chance. Like this quiver, I still had some arrows that I had not used, and what were they? There were people there were people in my life whom I had not shared with as I should have. And who were they? My family, my peers, my community, my church? My call was to share intentionally, intentionally, like Jesus asks us in Matthew 28, verse 20, go, or as you are going, make disciples. And then to live like Paul describes in 2 Corinthians, verses 15 to 17, for we are to to, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life, and who is equal to such such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. And then in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, which reads, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, your family, peers, community, who ask you to give an answer for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I would like to encourage us as a church to be intentional. We all have the same group of people in our lives. I ask you as a church family to help me with my calling. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the gift of this day. I thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Give us courage to live as beacons of light. Others make decisions on how they see us live. May our words encourage and bless each other. May we complete the work you have for us to do. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Good morning. It's good to be here. And today we want to sing. And our first song that we want to sing is an old familiar one. This is my commandment that we love one another. And you will see at the bottom, it's in your bulletin, and if you look at the bottom of it, there is verse two, three, and four, that we help one another, that we care for each other, and that we pray for another. Let's stand for this one, please. song if you want to sing is follow on. I'm not sure how many of you know this, but it's easy to learn. be seated for the next song. It's uh, number 440 out of your hymnal, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. 440.
2: morning. It's good to be together to worship again this morning. It's harvest time, and I brought some things out of our garden. Harvest time is a time to be very thankful. And I'm so thankful for the promises that, that God gave in his word. You know, after the flood had been, God said to Noah, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. That's in Genesis 8, verse 22. Then on top of that, he put his rainbow in the clouds for us to see always remember that he made a promise, and that he's with us. In harvest, or, yes, in harvest time, we also celebrate Thanksgiving. I checked a little bit. When did Thanksgiving start? What? 10th of October. Yeah, that's our Thanksgiving day. Yes, it's next weekend. We are very thankful for that. So, and I checked online... And it has been for a number of years, more than a hundred, that that is a holiday. But you know what? When God brought Israel out of Egypt, he gave them some very nice instructions for living when they were at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments, but more than that. And then he said to them, Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. That's Exodus 23, verse 16. So to me, it almost seems like they have two Thanksgivings, one when they start the harvest and one when they finish this harvest. I'm not sure about that, but it sure... Sounds like we are supposed to be thankful all the time. And he wants us to celebrate. God loves when his people celebrate. It's not just the harvest that we bring in from our gardens and the fields. There's a different harvest also. Remember last Sunday, we had missionaries share about their work, bringing in a harvest of souls for the Lord? There's something about that in scripture. In scripture as well. It says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. That's Proverbs 23, verse 26. So that's a different harvest that we have to work at. Jesus said to his disciples, one time when they were all together, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. That's what we were told last Sunday too. And we notice it around us as well. There is a harvest to be harvested. And everybody can do something about that. But Jesus told us very clearly that without him, we couldn't do it. He said, I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, verse 5. And as I prepared this basket, I did it yesterday, and I took this vine or this branch from the vine and cut it You see how it looks? All wilted. It won't bear any fruit anymore, will it? It's cut from the vine. We better take good care of our relationship with Jesus so that we won't wilt like that. Another thing Jesus told us is, you did not choose me. Just like the root and the plant of The vine plant, the branches did not choose. It's the root and the stem that produced the branches. So Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. John 15, verse 16 and 17. And then the fruit. What does the fruit look like? Galatians 5:22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And one passage that is not printed out for us, which is also very precious, well, everything is precious in the word of God, but Jesus said that he also went to feasts. Like I said before, God likes it when we celebrate. And Jesus was at a feast in Jerusalem, and they didn't just feast for one day. They feasted for several days. Then Jesus said to his disciples and to everyone who wanted to hear, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. See, there's the answer. If we believe in him, as he said, then all the fruits that we read here, the fruits, they will just automatically happen. We don't need to work hard at being fruitful. We just need to be attached and drink of the living water of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have chosen us and for us staying connected to you, that you will produce the fruit and streams of living water will flow to other people because it's you. Work that in us.
0: Amen. Thank you, Anna. Fall season has begun and there's lots, lots of stuff in our bulletin. Today I will not be able to go through all of it, but I'd like to highlight some of it. Um, There's a couple of things that are not in our bulletin. Um, Menno Jansen passed away, or passed on, to his next journey yesterday morning, and um, arrangements are being made. And um, Peter L. Suderman, he passed away on Thursday, and his funeral will be held today here at four o'clock. He was the husband and father to Meg and Lyle and Carol Suderman. He was also a brother to Doreen and Alvin Hildebrandt and a brother-in-law to Tina Suderman, George and Margaret Entz and Lydia Zacharias. So let's remember that family, Meg and family in prayer. The other thing that's not in your bulletin is Gordon Peters is having surgery on Tuesday at 7.30. It's a fairly it's a very significant surgery in his in his life, and let's pray for Gordon and Marlene and and, uh, and the children as they walk this journey, and let's walk it together with them. You will note that there are a number of Sunday school classes that are beginning, um, men's, ladies, and a special Sunday Sunday school class. So that's uh, that's take note and um we have a number of bible studies that are starting this week and carrying on uh, at two o'clock on wednesday the bible study on revelation and um let's uh let's keep uh, let's join if you're able we have a mission opportunity um you know to shingle a cabin at the winter bible camp and um, you know, maybe you're not able anymore, I don't know that I'm crawling up on the roof, but maybe we could find somebody that we could even pay that might need some, some income, but they might shingle for us, but let's, let's help out the missions committee in this. There's many ways to help. Um, there's people and opportunity to help for cleanup and for food preparation on the mission supper. And um, so there's sign-up sheets in the foyer, I believe. Uh, We have a hymn sing on October 16th at three o'clock. That's a Sunday. So um, loosen up your voices and come and join and and sing together. And um, we're going to do some Bible studies. It's called Discovery Groups. I believe this is another way of caring for our people, that we want to gather together, so be prepared to be a host, um, maybe a, a leader, so that we can gather together and care for each other and, and our neighbor as well. If you're interested in um, baptism and membership classes, call um, Pastor Dean or just call the church office and they'll arrange for it. Ration of sympathy, we have Ronald Brown, who passed away Saturday, September 24th. He's a nephew to Tina Hildebrandt, Harry and Esther Hildebrandt, and Ann and Bill Fair. Then Ernie Johnson passed on Sunday, September 25th. He's a brother to Marlene and Gordon Peters. Um, let's remember both of these families in, 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 our, in our prayers and, and support them where we can. There's a note of thanks um, from the Agnes Hopcraft family, Dennis and Erna uh, are, are thanking the church and the Pastor Dean and Pastor Victor for, for walking with them and helping, the, helping with them, their time. And then we have a birthday wish. It doesn't happen too often that somebody's over 100. Sarah Neufeld is 101 tomorrow. No, what? Yeah, tomorrow, October 3rd. Um, and she is in the Red River Valley Lodge and more so. For those of you um, that that go and visit her, maybe you can sing for us. So we have some staff information, Pastor Victor and his family on a retreat on October 7th to 10th. So um, go with our blessing and have a great weekend. So I'd ask the ushers to come forward. While they come forward, let's remember that in Boundary Trails Health Center it's Tina Suderman, March Thiessen, and Sadie Weeb, and in Carmen Hospital, uh, now Nettie Johnson. Let's pray together. Father, we have just uh, started a new season, and there's lots of great things that are beginning and happening. So I want to um, hold up this entire bulletin to you, and Father, um, Give, give energy and and encourage those that um, that are leaders uh, give them wisdom and discernment as they lead at the various aspects of our church community be with our our pastoral team as they lead us and guide us uh, to a new start for a new season Father walk with um, walk with our uh, physicians as they 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 Work with and as they provide um, healing for Tina Suderman, Marge Thiessen, Sarah Weeb, and um, and um, then also as they care for Nettie Johnson, Father also walked with um, Nettie and the family as they grieve and mourn and work through um, celebrating um, Menno's life and celebrating the fact that he is now in a in a at the end of the journey, which is where he has wanted to be, and I also want to hold up Peter L. Suderman and family, because Peter is passed, and it is on his next leg of journey as well. Father, we hold up both of these families as they grieve, and as they celebrate. Father, we thank you for um, the surgeons that will be working with um, Gordon and... On a surgery on Tuesday, be with Gordon and Marlene and give them a peace that passes all understanding as they, as they uh, wait on on the results of that surgery, and um, and as they walk further in that journey of healing. And Father, if it's Your will, then provide the healing that that only You can give. Father, we thank You again for our church community that can surround people and each other at times like these. Father, we thank you for um, our teachers, teachers that are serving in men's and ladies Sunday school and and, and also in the special Sunday school. Father, give, give wisdom, give energy, because it takes a lot of time to prepare and to, be, and to give that service and father there's there's many many places and many opportunities for each and all of us to serve and you know what it is that that you have gifted us for you know what it is that um, you know uh, you would like to have us be involved in so father give us um, clarity and help us to be uh, your servants here as we serve you in this community, in this church community, and in the community around us. And Father, um, I ask that you bless the, bless the gifts that we will receive, multiply them, and use them where they are best needed. I pray all of this in your name. Amen.
3: Today's uh, scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, uh, starting from verse 9 to the end of the chapter. Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord, on the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with God. That's far, the reading. Thank okay. you.
4: I'm not going to preach on that passage, but I had it read because I think it provides a good backdrop for receiving a calling. What kind of people are we? And I think that passage tells us what kind of people God wants us to be. And so when we think about calling, that is a good backdrop for us as his people. This morning I want to talk about calling. Calling on your life. If I were to ask you what is your calling what would you say? Maybe it would be helpful to know what we mean by calling. When you think of a calling what does it mean to you? Some might say that one is called to a particular kind of work like running a business or working a trade or a public office or maybe a specialized practice, like a medical doctor or a, a mental health practitioner or a, a trauma specialist. Some people see that as their calling. It could mean a calling to a specific Christian ministry, like a minister, a Sunday school teacher, missionary, church pianist, deacon, you name it. There are more rules than that. Perhaps a calling to a missional ministry, like uh, someone who works at Teen Challenge, or Youth for Christ, or the Pregnancy Care Center, or prison ministry, or maybe even volunteering at the bunker. It may be local, or it might be further away, like three of our couples, Preston and Myra, Don and Char, and K&K. You might even say that a man who marries Is called to be a husband, or a woman who marries is called to be a wife, so that what one engages in demands the responsibility of following through with what that role requires. It would follow then that those who have children are called to be parents. Social responsibility would be another one, uh, another general calling on our lives, which stems out of God's command to love our neighbors to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with our God, as Micah says. Or as Peter puts it, to honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I think calling has to do with all of these things. But above all these is a primary calling for all people. And that is to believe God, to follow Jesus, to trust, In the risen Christ. It is a calling to believe what is true and act accordingly. And if it is true that there is a God in heaven and life is in his hands, then to act according to truth would be to believe him and live according to his words. And this idea of calling is found throughout the scriptures. Genesis records the account of God creating the world and everything in it. That alone should cause us to want to hear from him and believe him. He's the originator of everything. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, just before God's people cross into, uh, across the Jordan to take the promised land, God reminded them, of the covenant with them, and he said this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life, that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore uh, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them." God is always pursuing good for us by telling us what is true and instructing us to live according to that truth. That would be a good definition of faith. To believe God and to live accordingly. If there is a God in heaven through whom we have life then failing to believe him is to condemn ourselves to death. We cut ourselves off then from the one who has life. Therefore to believe him and live according to his words is what it means to have faith which produces life. One metaphor the Bible uses for life and death is the concept of light and darkness. Paul wrote this, speaking of Jesus, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This tells us that we all begin in darkness, but when we believe, we are transferred to the kingdom where Jesus is king, where there is light and truth and freedom and life. Like Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Or Jesus to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That is our first calling to believe what is true so that we may have life. And, that, and the end result of that calling is what P.L. Suderman and Menno Jansen have just experienced. Wow. They are now in paradise, away from falsehood and corruption and wickedness and oppression, away from hatred and anger and sin and death. Our dear brothers are now in a place of truth and joy and love and peace. All other callings in our lives don't amount to anything if we don't answer the primary call with yes Lord I believe. The second calling then is to the church. I may have used this before, but I'll use it again. Imagine a young man. He's interested in a young woman. He pursues relationship with her and they begin courting. Their relationship grows, their trust grows, their love grows, and their desire to make their relationship permanent grows. Finally, he proposes marriage and she accepts. In the days leading up to the wedding, their anticipation of being united in marriage becomes stronger and stronger, and they are eager to make their vows and be married. But then on their wedding night, he discovers that she is not really interested in being united with his body. You don't need to be a marriage counselor to figure out that this is not good for the relationship. Does it make any sense for her to commit to him in marriage yet want nothing to do with his body. One picture that the Bible gives us of the church is that the church is the body of which Jesus is the head. Writing about Jesus to the Colossians, Paul wrote, he is the head of the body, the church. Does it make sense to say yes to Jesus and no to his body? Can we say yes to believing, while we say no to the context in which we live out our belief. It's like saying yes to hockey and no to the arena. (laughs) It's the very place where hockey is played. How are you gonna do that? It is as part of the church that we live out our faith. We don't do that. In isolation. It is in the body of believers that we live out our faith. That is why our practice of baptism is inseparably linked to church membership. They are not linked for no reason. To say yes to Jesus and to, the ent- and to enter the new covenant through baptism is to say yes to the body of believers and become one with them. Christian life Is community life. Do you remember what Jesus prayed the night before he was betrayed? Or the night he was betrayed? I do not ask for these only, meaning the believers who were with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That includes us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. If we are going to be one, we need to be together, and we need to make some kind of commitment to each other. You might be familiar with this illustration. A certain pastor paid a visit to a friend. His friend greeted him, welcomed him in, and directed him to a chair beside the fire, and they sat and talked. And as they talked, the idea of church membership and involvement came up. And his friend said, I believe I can be just as good a Christian outside the church as I can be inside it. The pastor didn't respond. Then he reached for the fireplace tongs, picked up a hot coal from the fire, and set it by itself on the hearth. The two men sat together and watched. While the fire roared on, the coal which had been red hot began to lose its heat. As the glow disappeared, the coal's heat faded to the point that it became cool to the touch. The pastor picked up the coal with his bare hands and handed it to his friend. Neither man said a word. And then the pastor retrieved the coal from his friend and returned it to the fire. And in a matter of moments, the coal again glowed red and hot. Individual coals scattered all around the world do not constitute the community needed for vibrant, Christian life and witness. Individuals that are detached from the church are at risk of becoming cool to the faith. They don't have that constant interaction with the body. It's like when we were all at home for church. Remember when we were watching church on TV. And sometime you might let it slip. Maybe we won't do it today, there's something else I want to watch. And the risk of cooling toward faith begins, begins with just a little detachment. Trying to fellowship with people scattered around the globe does not work well. We discovered that during COVID. After a time of online meetings, the experience of choppy digital communication gets tiresome. Without eye-to-eye contact, shaking hands, hearing the voices of people in your presence, and sharing an embrace, without all that, we lose touch with each other. We don't communicate very well when we're apart. And we all know how nuanced communication can be. A look, a touch, a gesture, The posture of the body, (laughs) the tone, the pitch, the volume of a voice are all important factors in our communication. And we lose that when we communicate digitally. We don't have that touch. I continue to marvel at the joy I sense when we as a church are together. We love to be together. And when we are together, we can express our love for each other, as we will do this afternoon. A new commandment I give to you, John wrote, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how do we produce this witness with all believers around the world? How do we practice loving our neighbor with believers in Asia? How do we observe the Lord's Supper with Christians in Africa? How do we worship together with God's people in South America? It is critical for Christians to be a part of a local body of believers that meets regularly for worship, for the preaching of the word, and for communion. These are body-building activities that equip us for our collective witness. We hear the word of God together at the same time, in the same place, and we know that we have all heard the same words. We pray together with the same words. We sing the same song texts, expressing our face, face, <laughs> faith together for all of us to hear. This is critical for forming our common understanding of scripture and living out that understanding. We also build relationship in the context of the church, relationships with each other that are tested and matured. and so. Is our relationship with the Lord tested and matured? If we cannot do relationship with each other, then what fellowship do we have with the Lord? There is no such faith as a me and Jesus faith. God doesn't work that way. Listen to what John says. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So it is in the context of the local body of believers that we live out our faith. Who walks with you in your life? Who is there to care for you when you need it? Who provides community for you? Who counsels you? Who do you study with? Who holds you accountable when you sin? Who encourages you in your walk with the Lord? Who baptizes you, marries you, has communion with you, and buries you? All All these things happen in the context of the body of believers. And this is obvious when we have funerals. In this church, We commit ourselves to serve at funerals for those who are committed to this church in membership. We do not make that commitment to every Christian in the world. We are called to belong to a local expression of the body of Christ, and that is the local church. And having said that, I will ask this question. Is it time for some of you to take that step in our church. You may have been attending here for some time, yet you have not committed to being one with us. The church needs you. This church loves you. And we encourage you to make the same commitment that the rest of us have made. Make yourself one of us, and then we'll celebrate and we'll keep walking together. Finally, there's a third calling, and this is also for all of us, and that is the calling to serve. The scripture reading from Romans 12 that John read for us is a good description of how we can begin to serve one another. There are at least 20 verses in the New Testament that remind us to love one another, and it's in loving one another That we serve one another. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says this, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love serve one another. It's through love that we serve. And God has also given us gifts, different gifts, that we use to perform that service. And it is the use of these gifts that are a vehicle for serving. Because the gifts that I lack, you may have. And in that way, we can serve each other. Peter made this point when he wrote, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality, To one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now some of us serve one another in our vocations. There are different ways in which this happens and I'll just go through a few of these. Not that we're all called to a particular kind of work, but we are called to serve one another in our chosen vocations. A plumber can go around and fix problems without being a real servant, or he can take an interest in his customers so that he really understands their problem so as to meet the need and build relationship. If in our work, we don't care for people or love them enough to address their problem, then we're not very good servants. So some people work, uh, sorry, serve in their work, as they work. Others of us rely on our vocations to enable us to do other service. So we've got day jobs and then we go and we volunteer at places like the bunker and MCC and the food cupboard, or we go to prayer meetings. That was the Apostle Paul's method. He did tent making to earn his living and then he went and did his ministry. Still others have vocational callings to serve. In other words, God calls us to a particular kind of work for a purpose. And this might include pastors and missionaries, but it could also include those who choose to be travel agents or coffee bean roasters or English teachers. People will choose professions like that to get into other parts of the world where Christians are few and Christianity is oppressed. Their work is actually secondary and provides the opportunity to build relationship and the opportunity to share the gospel. I would see my work as a minister as being one of those callings of God to which not everyone is called. (laughs) The question that always comes up in my mind is, well, how do you know you're called? I'm, I'm convinced of this call on my life because I didn't want it. When I gave my life to Jesus, I said, Just please don't make me a missionary or a preacher. (laughs) And I think God takes us to the places we most don't want to go. Otherwise, we would not be completely surrendered to him. Plus, this call was discerned by the church without any preparation on my part and without any apparent gift of preaching. In fact, there was no gift of preaching until I surrendered my will to God, and he began to teach and equip me for this ministry. So, this leads me to the obvious. Yes, this sermon is intentional. (laughs) Today is our last day for submitting deacon nominations, and if you missed your opportunity before, I'm sure they will still take them after the service. Soon some of you who have been nominated will receive visits and phone calls, inquiring whether you will let your name stand. How do you feel about the church recognizing some gift in you that you don't think you have, or you don't want to have? From my own experience, I would like to share a thought with you. When I was faced with that question, I thought about the Bible and the people of whom the Bible speaks. Not much is written about unwilling servants. The Bible accounts are written about people who in their frailty were willing to step forward and serve. Moses complained that he couldn't speak well. Paul wrote forcefully but he wasn't very impressive in person. Amos and David were both just lowly shepherds. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Joseph was a slave and an imprisoned one at that. All these men were used by God because they were willing to be used. And God did great things through them. Do you remember what Isaiah said when he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, who will go for us? What did he say? Here am I, Lord. Send me. (laughs) Here am I, send me. The requirements for deacon are requirements that we all have trouble with. So does that mean we can't have deacons? I don't think so. It means that though we fall short, we humble ourselves and we say to the Lord, If you want to use me, I'm willing. This in itself is a good exercise, even if you don't get elected. Because being willing is the first step. And then however the election goes, you can rejoice in your new calling, or you can rejoice that you are free to serve somewhere else. And if you're elected to a new calling, you can expect the Lord to help you. He certainly helped me. Another thing I can say about this is that our frailties, in our frailties, what we want to do is help each other to the finish line. We are not running a race individually as competitors. We are more like a team of people that have the same goal and when the team succeeds, we all succeed. When the team gets the prize, everyone gets the prize. We want to see that we all reach the goal. So as we see people who take up new responsibilities, we do not do it with arms crossed, seeing if they can perform. Instead, we do it with arms open, willing to encourage people in their ministries, helping them to do their best. The question some of us will answer in the coming weeks is this. If God wants to use me, am I willing? Now, I know there are considerations I have not mentioned, and I'm not trying to manipulate you. But I do encourage you, and would persuade you, to think about willingness. God can handle the rest. The question is, am I willing? So to sum up, all of us are called to faith, to believe God and to act accordingly, for life is found in his Son, Jesus Christ, and nowhere else. All of us are called to belong to the church, Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And that means committed community living in work and in worship. And finally, we are all called to serve. In serving each other, we serve the Lord. The body does not function without willing servants. So, let's help help each other to the finish line. And if you're willing to do some of the work, step forward. I'm going to pray in just a moment and give the benediction, and then we'll have our closing song after that. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, thank you for placing a calling on us. More than one calling. The calling to believe, the calling to be part of your church, and the calling to serve. And I thank you, Father, for how you bring that to mind and, and spur us on. Alvin shared that his heart attack spurred him on to, to see the calling on his life. And I thank you for that, and I pray, Father, that as, as we've heard these words this morning, and as your spirit is at work in us, that you would make us willing to do the things that you want us to do. Father, as we also join ourselves together this afternoon, to serve Meg and her family. We pray that you would add your blessing and that there would be abundant growth among us because we are working together, serving together and serving each other. Thank you, Father, that you walk with us. And now this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.
1: Our closing song is in your bulletin, page 7. We are called to be God's people. Please stand.
5: Thank you.